It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. And we're coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Caligero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening, whenever you're listening. I hope you're doing all right. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant, located on beautiful St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out his website, www.salsneighborhood pizzeria.com or give my man a call 912-268-2328 912-268-2328 and uh, as you can see uh, I'm donning Sal's uh, shirt today underneath the other shirt it's a little chilly up here in New York upstate New York I'm a little shocked but uh, anyway today's show is also being brought to us in part by the Sea Palms Resort and our next event, we're doing a Billy C. get-together uh, in August, August 25th and 26th. It's a two-day event. And what we're doing is uh, we're going to have a uh, golf outing. We're going to have some uh, celebrities there. I know Bobby Chez, former world uh, champion and uh, former world uh, cruiserweight champion and, of course, a world uh, heavyweight champion title challenger. Uh, he will be there uh, along with uh, several other uh, people that I'm sure you're going to want to rub elbows with. Uh, we're going to have a meet and greet where you can uh, talk with them and uh, have some hors d'oeuvres and all that and uh, happy stuff. We're also going to be doing a little for fun uh, golf tournament. Uh, and then uh, we may be doing some other things like uh, maybe uh, uh, some exhibitions, some training exhibitions from uh, my man Sherman Henson out of uh, Tampa, Florida. Uh, a uh, well-renowned uh, uh, trainer. Uh, also, we'll have some other uh, uh, fighters and celebrities there. We'll be announcing uh, over the next uh, few weeks. But uh, it all takes place on Friday and Saturday, August 25th and 26th. Oh, and did I mention we will be showing uh, the uh, Conor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather uh, fight card. Uh, and one of the things I'm, I'm thinking about is having all you guys come down and we can all joke about what a farce it is and save your money and invest it in an event to hang out with us and, of course, Sal's uh, Restaurant. You guys can come and check out why I go all the way to St. Simon's. It's going to be a great event. Um, so the uh, best thing to do is visit our website, billycboxing.com, and uh, click the Sea Palms banner and uh, make your reservations right now. There are some special packages available uh, just when you call. Uh, just ask for the Billy C. Boxing uh, options, and they will give it to you. So uh, we want you there. If you need any information, just drop me an email, Billy at Talking Boxing. 
August 25th and 26th. You could come earlier. I'm going to be there earlier. And today's show is being brought to us in part by my book. Tom Molyneux, From Bondage to Baddest Man on the Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. You can get a copy right now where you're watching or listening to the show. Just go to barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. If you're looking to get a signed copy, don't worry about it. Visit our webpage, billycboxing.com, and click on the book. Um, coming up a little bit later, we got a Boxing Hall of Famer and New Jersey Boxing Commissioner, uh, Larry Hazard, scheduled to join us. Uh, we got the fight results from uh, Tuesday Night Fights, toe-to-toe Tuesdays. Uh, I got some announcements for uh, uh, a, uh, a, card, uh, a, a fight that's been added to uh, the uh, Adrian Broner Dan, uh, and uh, Mikey Garcia card, which uh, uh, I, I like, and I'll tell you why a little bit later. Also, an update on the World Series of Boxing in the Cruiserweight Division. I got some quotes from uh, Manny Pacquiao and Jeff Horn. Uh, all of that is coming up uh, in a couple of minutes. We got a bunch of uh, uh, emails to read, but joining me right now uh, is my partner in crime. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome the man. Sal, Rocky, Senicola. What's up, Sal? Billy C., good morning. How are you, my friend? Good, good, good. Jeez, that, that breath. I thought your microphone was going to go up your mouth with that breath. It was a deep breath you got there. What a, it must be nice and hot down there. It's too hot. Forget about it. I'll <laughs> tell you. It's, uh, it's, it's always hot here. It's like living in an oven. Hey, hey, I'm, try, like I'm trying to get air. people to come and visit us in August. You're going to be telling them how hot and miserable it is there? Come on, man. It's no, no, no. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's good for your pores. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cleans them out. Cleans You're them like out. You're like I'm in a freaking steam room. There <laughs> you go. That's good, right? Uh, good means yeah. bad. No, no. Bad means good. I, I, I don't know. It's let's, good. It's good and bad. It's let, all the same. Let's not get I don't even have to eat my coffee. It stays hot. There you go. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> now, that, now that's funny, Sal. That's, nice that's mug. Funny. Hey, if you want a mug like Sal's donning right now, uh, he makes them custom. Uh, the Billy C. Mugs. And yeah, he's got he's got a couple of versions of them available. Presley raising a lip kind of Was that a new up. one? Well, is that a new one or what? Huh? Is that a different one? It's a different face, yeah, uh, but it's the same size mug. Oh, you I, had a bigger I, mug. Uh, uh, th- yeah, oh, it's you had the same size. Yeah, okay. All right, then, all right. And then I've got the premium edition. Yeah, I, yeah, I knew you had the man, myth, the legend. Right. The other side is the big. Yeah, all right, all right. I knew, I knew that you had. So you got three now. Yeah, you got, got three all over the place. Yeah, man. he's got I'm, Billy. I'm, C. I'm selling these left and right all yeah. over the island. People Billy, know you. Billy C. Mugs available <laughs> exclusively at Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria. So uh, get yourself one. The guy, the guy goes, "Hey, what a mug that is!" Yeah, <laughs> you go, "Hey, you should see him in person." Hey, but uh, anyway. <laughs> Uh, last night uh, on Toe to Toe Tuesdays, uh, in a rematch, Miguel Cruz against Alex Martin uh, ended uh, a little more decisively than the previous fight. Uh, but uh, both Sal and I uh, had picked uh, Miguel Cruz to win. I based we it did. on the fact that he had a little more pop behind his punches, and uh, he won. He uh, uh, Miguel Cruz improved to sixteen and over eleven knockouts when he scored a ten round unanimous decision as opposed to the first time when it was a split decision uh, over uh, Alex Martin, who only loses for the tech- second time in his career, dropping to 13-2 and two with five knockouts, and both losses came uh, at the hands of um, uh, Miguel Cruz. The way the judges scored it, uh, 96-92 across the board. Uh, so uh, uh, this was a, a uh, no-doubt uh, win for uh, Miguel Cruz. 
I love seeing two young fighters go at it uh, at the same point in their careers. These two guys on paper uh, looked uh, uh, very similar uh, all across the board. Height, reach, age, uh, level of opposition, everything. I loved the matchup, Sal. Uh, what's your quick thoughts on uh, on that being the main event for Toe to Toe Tuesdays? I think it was 100% appropriate. It was a good fight, competitive fight. And, uh, you know, they're both in a pocket. They're both exchanging blows. Cruz, as you suggested, did have the heavier pop. I, I believe he dropped the, dropped Martin and uh, decisively with uh, some good shots, a good left hook here and there. And, uh, yeah, I thought it was a good fight, good fight. Yeah, well, uh, I agree with you. Also, on the televised, uh, televised, the televised, televised. portion, uh, welterweight Clarence Booth improved to 15-3 and three when he scored a fourth-round stoppage over Anthony Mercado, who drops to 10-3 and three with nine knockouts. Uh, and also, uh, in a fight that saw uh, many uh, knockdowns uh, in the featherweight division, Avery Sparrow improved to 7-1 and one, uh, when he scored a six-round unanimous decision over previously unbeaten Isleyan Florian, who drops to 6-1 and one with three knockouts, 58-54 uh, with the way uh, uh, all... Uh, uh, three judges scored the fight. Uh, what I what I enjoyed about this fight is both of these fighters showed that uh, not only they have punching power, but they have a lot of heart and determination because both of them hit the canvas not once but twice. Uh, so uh, exciting night of uh, boxing for the uh, Tuesday night uh, fights, toe to toe Tuesday, Sal. Absolutely, and and you know I, I was watching that Cruz Martin fight. They were toe to toe. They were exchanging and defending each other with, uh, you know, with themselves with uh, good exchanges. Well, what I really liked about that fight, aside from the <laughs> fact that, you know, both fighters were young uh, at the same level, et cetera, et cetera, like I said before, uh, was the fact that they fought each other um, again, that they gave each other a rematch. And, you know, they both had something to prove going to this fight. You know, uh, uh, both fighters uh, felt they won the first fight. Obviously, in the record books, Miguel Cruz got the win. But, uh, uh, you know, uh, Alex Martin felt that, you know, he was he was robbed, you know, and uh, uh, wanted to make a statement and, uh, and came up a little short. So uh, anyway, uh, some great action uh, last night. But uh, uh, something else I wanted to talk about, uh, Sal, you know, we got a, a pretty uh, decent uh, fight coming up. Uh, Adrian Broner and uh, and Mikey Garcia. And, uh, you know, I had some uh, quotes from uh, uh, Broner. And he said, uh, I'm feeling good. I'm, I'm taking this fight serious. Uh, I want to show that I'm still one of the best uh, out there. Uh, he says, uh, this is the time for me to step up. He, and basically he was saying the reason why he didn't look that good in his last fight is because he broke his hand. He said, you know, I don't know if any of you have ever broken your hand uh, just to give you an idea of what I was up against. You know, um, you know it's a typical I don't want to make an excuse, but here comes the excuse. <laughs> but, but the best part is that they announced – that they're adding two more fights on that undercard, one being Jamal Charlo. Uh, he's taking on uh, Jorge Sebastian Hyland uh, in an elimination bout. That doesn't impress me, that fight. Uh, it doesn't impress me that it's an elimination bout. And to be honest with you, the Charlo brothers don't really impress me all that much right now because they haven't really been in there uh, with uh, fighters that are equal to them in terms of size and everything else. Um, but we'll see. I, I think they're both talented, but uh, Jermel Charler will be on the card. But the fight that I'm really excited about is uh, uh, in the heavyweight division, two young fighters 
fighting each other in heavyweight division. And this is what I believe boxing is all about and what it's been lacking uh, over the last uh, several years. We have Gerald Washington, uh, who's a, a former uh, world title challenger, if you recall. He actually challenged uh, Deontay Wilder, another one of Deontay Wilder layup fights. But uh, he's 18-1-1 with 12 knockouts, taking on Jarrell Big Baby Miller, who's been crying like a crybaby, saying he's ready to take on everybody, can beat Joshua, can beat Deontay Wilder, everybody. He's 18-0 and with a draw. Uh, it's going to be a 10-round matchup. And I love the fact that these two guys are fighting each other. This is how you weed out the contenders from the pretenders, Sal. Everybody pounds on their chest and says they're good, but none of them fight similar fights, you know, against similar fighters. This one is going to be a, a, a big uh, uh, awakening for one of these guys in the heavyweight division. What's your thoughts? I think you're absolutely right. And, they, you know, it's about time, and they put two fighters together, and they uh, want to see who's going to put up or shut up. And uh, there's a great way to find out who could weed through the uh, maze and uh, become victorious. Uh, also, I just want to add real quick uh, before we get to our main topic today, um, Marco Kapnuk, uh, who I thought was uh, one of the best, if not, I, I actually I thought he was the best cruiserweight in the world um, up until uh, last couple of fights, but uh, he has been added to that uh, World Boxing Super Series, which is featuring the cruiserweights, um, which is uh, making this uh, series very impressive. And uh, I, I tell you the truth, between now Marco Captain Huck, former uh, pretty much undisputed. I mean, everybody looked at him as the champion at one time. He's now 40 wins, four losses, and a draw. He also uh, fared pretty well uh, against uh, Pavetkin in a heavyweight uh, challenge when he did that. He's got a record of 40 wins, four losses, a draw with 27 knockouts. He's added and already signed as uh, reigning uh, world champions uh, Murat Gassiev, Junior uh, Dortikos, and Marius Bridis all holding title belts. And then uh, Christoph Lodzarek, uh, who's a former world champion. So uh, I I'm excited about uh, uh, this tournament, Sal. It, 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 it's really coming out nicely right now. Uh, there's going to be no doubt that the best of the best in the cruiserweight division are uh, all putting it on the line in this tourney. Well, you're absolutely right. And, uh, you know, it's 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 doing a lot for the cruiserweight division, which we tend to see does not get the attention of the heavyweights or even the light heavyweights, I believe, in my mind. So uh, I def definitely think that this is going to be a great process, a good elimination process, and uh, weed out some of the good fighters, and we'll see who emerges as a great fighter. Uh, one other thing I wanted to add before we take a quick break, and then I want to comment on uh, my topic, um, one of my main topics today. Um, Diego de la Hoya, which is... Uh, uh, the relative of uh, former uh, multi-division world champion and current promoter Oscar De La Hoya uh, will be uh, fighting uh, in Argentina. Now, he's 18-0 with nine knockouts, and uh, he's taken on uh, Alan uh, Lucius, who's 21-6 and in a 10-round fight uh, on Saturday. Um, the reason why I uh, like this fight is because I think that uh, Diego De La Hoya has not really, um, he's not really been in there tough. And I, I think they know that he's got a long way to go. I think he's in there, I think he's going to get tested this week. Uh, might be a, a pretty good indicator of where he's at. But I still think this guy needs a lot of work, Sal. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, you, you, you 
definitely uh, should be be progressing along and taking on some um, tougher and tougher competition and uh, fighters with uh, good records and and I think this is part of the process that uh, he's ready to step up or step out, you know. Yeah, no, I mean uh, he definitely uh, uh, needs to improve. I mean he needs to improve. The name alone isn't going to get him wins, but uh, forget anyway. about it. And if he thought that, you know, maybe early on it's going to have more eyes on him, but with that same thought, you know, he's going to be under the microscope just like he is right now. You know, the guy's got to step up a little bit and increase the level of his competition. Yeah, no. I, well, he's got to get better. He's got to get better. But yeah, listen, better. my topic today is basically yeah, this. You know, with Manny Pacquiao and Jeff Horn being broadcast on ESPN, which is for all intent purposes considered free TV today because you get ESPN with pretty much any package you get uh, with uh, television today. I should um, be able to get that in a restaurant, though. No? Yeah, you should. And, uh, you know, wow. my, my, my question today is with the move – of Manny Pacquiao going to network television in a sense, free TV, let's refer to it as free TV. Is this the beginning of major boxing events being moved to free TV? Will it become the norm and not the exception? Hold that thought because when we come back from break, we're going to uh, get Sal's thought on that. And uh, I think it's a pretty good uh, question. So uh, we'll be back in two. Billy C. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. Don't forget, if you take the time to drop me an email, I'll take the time to read it on air. Billy at Talkin' Boxing. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com is how you get uh, an email to us. And uh, don't forget, man, we are... uh, uh, very excited about the Billy C, the next Billy C event we're doing, uh, the Billy C get together down on beautiful St. Simon's Island at the Sea Palms Resort, uh, taking place August 25th and 26th. We want you there, two full days of fun in the sun down in St. Simon's, and you get to stuff your face at my man Sal's place. And joining me right now is Sal and. Uh, uh, for all the information, just call CPOMs. Uh, you can get their number and everything else uh, by visiting our website, BillyCBoxing.com, and click on the CPOMs banner. Um, Sal, before we went to break, you know, Manny Pacquiao, Jeff Horn are going to be on uh, regular TV this weekend on ESPN. And, you know, I, we got uh, Oscar De La Hoya's got to deal with ESPN. And, you know, it just seems like there's this movement happening with regular television that we can possibly start to see major boxing events, not just the slubs fighting, but the major boxing events uh, on network television. Do you think this is an exception with Pacquiao Horn or is there a movement? Is there something that's changing in the wind that's going to start to find major boxing uh, on, you know, free TV as the norm and not the exception? Well, I will tell you this. I think 
for the mega, mega, mega fights, you're still going to see that having to be paid for and everything else. But I think there's also a slight attention-grabbing moments where there's going to be some good, solid fights and big fights returning to major networks and TV. And I'll tell you what, don't be surprised if a lot of this attention, a lot of this uh, could have started with the Al Heyman movement, with the PBC, and uh, seeing the success, maybe not in the numbers or volume or revenue that's being raised, but in the success of the feedback from the boxing fans' standpoint. And uh, I know I'm spewing a lot of different directions there, but I think that could have been a little bit of the core influencing, hey, guess what? We have this capsule, this model. Let's see if we could um, put it and arrange it in a way that uh, everyone can benefit. So don't be surprised. You may see more and more major fights, uh, not mega fights, but major fights uh, on network TV. Well, you know, you make a great point, Sal. I know um, I do. And, and but, but here's the big difference, at least with what I know about the, the deals that are happening right now. Um, when Al Heyman and the PBC were was put on, you know, regular television, all those all those networks, what he did was he actually paid the networks yes. um, for their time, similar to the way uh, some uh, you know radio networks work. You know, you pay for the time; they don't care what you put on. And Al Heyman's, and none of us know this for sure because you know he's so tight-lipped. But um, you know, it, it seemed like he was trying to develop a following a viewer base and then he was going to come back and offer the same networks his produced uh series and have them pay for it and he learned a valuable lesson with the way uh television stations and networks work they don't like to pay for nothing they'll put whatever they want on if you're paying them for the time i think what's happening now is with espn specifically that they um, did not have boxing on for a long time. I mean, here we were used to watching every Friday night uh, boxing events, whether the uh, events weren't right. great or not, but people tuned in. They had their regular sponsors, whatever. Now, I will tell you this. ESPN wasn't making tons of money with it, but they no. definitely had a, a viewer base, and they got a lot of cross-platform uh, you know, viewers. In other words, other sports fans that were tuned into the network anyway were watching uh, uh, you know, Friday Night Fights. When they jumped into bed with Al Heyman and let Al Heyman pay for some of it, I don't think it worked out as well for all the parties. I don't think it worked. It obviously didn't work out well for Al Heyman because he would still be doing it. He didn't get the, the, uh, uh, the money from the networks. He certainly didn't get the money from the advertisers. And it's kind of slowed down a bit, although he still doesn't. He uh, uh, premium uh, boxing premium champions premier boxing champions was uh, the fights last night was the toe to toe Tuesday. So you know he's still right. he's still doing it, and he's got the marriage with Showtime. You know, so you know it's not like PBC isn't doing anything. I mean, he's still got all no. the fighters. But I think what's happening now is that the ESPN sees some advantages to not having you know, that regular series on Fridays. But I think they see the light at the end of the tunnel for having these bigger events. And um, I think that we're going to start to see them more and more, Sal. And I think it's good for all of us. I think you're 100% right. And, you know, ESPN got away from their original model. In fact, you know, I made my original uh, pro debut 
on the undercard of Alexis Arguello, which was televised on ESPN out of the Sands Casino. And Al Bernstein was commentating. And, you know, this was a, a regular ESPN fight. And uh, so it was uh, big back then. And I think they got away from it for a little while. And, uh, you know, top rank. Uh, and that was uh, uh, definitely uh, a big thing back then. And maybe ESPN recognized the model to resurrect and give us some big fights on their network. Yeah, well, it makes sense. It makes uh, sense. It I'm, does. I mean, you know what? Because what it is, it's, it's like bait fishing. Here comes an analogy. Look out. Everyone, put your seatbelts on. It's like chumming, you know? We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna tease the public, the boxing fan. Not tease them, but, I mean, we're going to feed them. We're going to give them little bits, little pieces here and uh, for the fights that will keep them interested and keep following the game. And then all of a sudden, you know, when a mega, mega fight comes up, hey, why not? We're, we're fight fans. We'll, 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 we'll spring the bucks. Well, it's all about the Bucks, and I think that— It's all that about the Bucks. The Bucks stops there. It's <laughs> Where, all about the know, Bucks, and I think, that, <laughs> I think that ESPN is finding a way where they can benefit from it because what's happening with these events— See, here's the big difference with ESPN. ESPN used to promote um, their fights. They used to produce their fights, Friday Night Fights. They used to foot the bill, and—, and you know, they, it was a losing proposition. I think with some of these bigger fights, they're not really doing the production. You know, the production's already being done. They're just getting a feed, so to speak. Now, with the with the uh, Golden Boy marriage with ESPN, uh, you know, Teddy Atlas is uh, is involved, so there's some kind of a a split there. But uh, I don't believe, unless I'm wrong, Sal, I don't believe that Teddy Atlas. Uh, and the ESPN crew is actually calling the fights uh, from the land down under. Uh, I could be wrong. Maybe they'll be in studio because that fight is being offered, uh, you know, outside the U.S. as a pay-per-view and everything else. So, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. I, I got to look into that. Do you know that for sure? No, but I, I think they would have, whether they are uh, the main or major uh, broadcast team, I'm not sure, but I think they'd be a sub uh, uh, for the American viewers here too, so I, I think they're going to have something big to do with it. No, I. Well, then they would have to produce it, and I just don't see them doing that. But uh, anyway, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens there. But uh, you know, I, I had we'll some. Uh, I had some quotes uh, from uh, uh, Manny Pacquiao and uh, Jeff Horn. Um, you know, the uh, complete uh, uh, broadcast. Uh, ESPN announced that they're going to have four fights. Uh, Irish Olympian uh, Michael Conlon is on that card, uh, and also uh, uh, a, uh, a champion uh, in uh, the IBF in the junior bantamweight division. Jerwin uh, uh, Anakia Jehas is on. Uh, he's defending his uh, title, and uh, Sugar Shane Mosley's son, who has quietly wow. amassed a record of uh, ten and one, uh, is uh, going to be uh, uh, fighting. So uh, we'll see uh, how that card goes. Um, just before I take a break, I'll give you some quotes here. Uh, the promoter, they were doing some press uh, conferences uh, yesterday in Australia, and the, the co-promoter, obviously the main promoter is top rank, but the co-promoter uh, from Duco Events, his name is uh, Dean uh, Lonergan, and Lonergan uh, is getting a little fed up with Manny Pacquiao. Uh, he says, and I quote, I've attended four press conferences with Manny, and he never gets off his bloody phone. I hope he takes the phone into the ring with him and she'll be game over. 
And Horn uh, uh, commented, he said, I can't imagine him doing that at a Mayweather conference, press conference. It definitely shows a bit of he doesn't care attitude towards this fight. I don't know if it's that or arrogance. I'm just used uh, to that now. It gave me a laugh when Dean called him out on it. It was funny. His face, meaning Pacquiao's, uh, looked like he didn't know what to do. Um, you know, it does seem like they're taking this fight lightly. We talked about this yesterday. Uh, Manny Pacquiao said, we we really have had a good uh, camp and we have a good game plan for this fight. We've worked hard in camp both in Manila and in uh, General Santos City. I'm totally focused for this fight. I'm not looking past this fight because at this point in my career, every fight's important. There are no tomorrows if I don't win. Jeff Horn is okay. I've watched videos of his fights. He brings a lot of action in the ring. It sounds to me that he's taking it lightly. And, and normally I never, ever, ever quote what the uh, trainers uh, say, but, you know, because but, Freddie but Roach. Here's the but. but here's the but. Uh, <laughs> Freddie Roach says, uh, Manny's in great shape. He doesn't like to predict knockouts, but I do. This is going to be a short and sweet fight. If Horn comes out like he says he's going to, uh, Manny's going to fire back, and I think it's going to be a great fight, but it's not lasting too long. Someone will get knocked out. The thing is, in sparring, we haven't had knockouts or knockdowns in a long time. This time, we have. Manny has been his old self, having fun and uh, doing what he does best. And my question is, doing what he does best. What's that, talking on his cell phone, Sal? Hey, you know, I'll tell you what. Here's, he, he's a congressman, so who knows? Those were very important political calls. Right. Well, I don't know. He could I say that. I think. I think he. I think, that, you know, he, I, I think when he was. Them. I think hey, when he was on the phone, basically, he said, uh, uh, "You know, I, I, I hurt my shoulder. I, I, I really hurt my shoulder. You know." So, uh, anyway, hey, listen, Sal, we will be uh, getting back to you in a little bit. We're going to take a short break. We're scheduled to have uh, Larry Hazard come on, so go fill up your coffee, and uh, we'll see you I in a little will. bit. All right. All right. Buddy. We're going to take, take a short okay, break, guys. and when we come back, we'll have Larry Hazard on. Uh, we'll be back in two. We'll be right back. Have you heard? Proactive Plus is faster and better than ever. Stay tuned for a million bottle giveaway, and you'll also receive free shipping. Do you have troubled skin? Acne? Well, we have great news. With Proactive Plus, your acne can heal, and you can help prevent new breakouts from happening. Don't miss this limited time offer. Give us a call at 800-567-0214, because we're going to let a million people try Proactive Plus risk-free and get two free gifts and also receive free shipping when you call right now. You heard it, this offer won't last long. So call Proactive Plus now and you'll receive a 60-day risk-free trial of Proactive Plus, two free extras and free shipping. Call 800-567-0214. This is our exclusive radio offer, never on TV. Get your risk-free 60-day trial of Proactive Plus with free shipping. That's right, free shipping. Don't wait. Call 800-567-0214. That's 800-567-0214. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're 
back. You're watching and listening to The Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, don't forget about our big event, uh, two-day event, Billy C Get-Together, down in uh, St. Simons Island in Georgia. Uh, it's going to be uh, August 25th and 26th. Uh, golfing and fun, and of course, uh, we will be uh, watching the uh, Conor McGregor uh, Floyd Mayweather fight, and that's why you guys got to come down so we can all uh, uh, be critical of that fight together. Joining me right now is my main man, and I hope that uh, he comes down, man. Uh, Larry Hazard joins us. What's up, Larry? What's up, Billy? Got to get you to come down here. What are you doing for that fight? Are you going to be anywhere? Else? What are you talking about, McGregor and? Uh... Well, yeah, and, I, uh, I know. I shouldn't have referred to it as a fight. I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I yeah, shouldn't have. yeah, that's why I had to ask. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, I, 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 that extravaganza, that WWE. See, that's the whole thing, man. We're gonna, we're, we decided to do this event down in uh, uh, St. Simons in Georgia. It's, a, it's an island, one of the uh, Golden Isles there. And uh, we're going to have like a golf outing. Uh, uh, Bobby Chez uh, is going to be coming. We've got some other people come down. You should, uh, you know what? I'm going to talk to you about that. Maybe you should come on down. That would be fun, you know? Well, maybe the fun part, the fight uh, or whatever you want to call it, Billy. You know, I'm really, really uh, still out on whether I'm even going to watch that. Well, this is my point. Most people that are boxing fans don't want to watch it. But if we're all together being critical, and we're having other things that are interesting us, uh, like, uh, uh, you know, uh, we're going to be doing that other series uh, that we've been working on, the, the Boxing Revisited. We'll be doing that. We'll have some meet and greets. Uh, so it'll be a boxing theme. So we're going to try to insert boxing uh, for, that, uh, for that joke of a, uh, of a matchup. So, uh, and let's face oh. it, it'll be much better talking to people like Ray Mercer and uh, – uh, yourself and uh, you know uh, whoever else is coming down. I know Bobby Chez, Sherman Henson is going to be there, so uh, it ought to be uh, it ought to be interesting. I'll give you all the skinny on that um, off air, but uh, and I and I and I apologize. I keep meaning to send you a setup so we can have your uh, uh, mug on here uh, while while we're talking to you. And I, I got to get uh, I gotta we'll get, get it around. We'll get around. I, I get no it. problem. But uh, listen, I, you know today's topic um, is kind of. Uh, along the lines of something that you and I have talked about many, many times, and and I'm starting to see a little, a little switch, maybe you know, and uh, it, it starts with the fight this weekend between Manny Pacquiao and Jeff Horn, all of a sudden uh, being broadcast on ESPN, and you know, Golden Boy's got their deal with ESPN, and 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 it's separate than the groundwork that Al Heyman and the PBC laid in place with you know, buying all the time on the networks. Well, now the networks seem to be, specifically ESPN, seems to be picking some of these uh, fights to broadcast. Do you think that we're heading towards seeing major, not not just, you know, club shows, but major boxing events on what I'm going to call free TV? Do you think that's heading to become the norm instead of the exception? Or do you think that this is just a rare case uh, with the fight scheduled for this weekend on ESPN? Well, I think that it might be um, heading towards becoming the norm again. And I think it's all the reason that that may be the case is, is because uh, maybe someone is beginning to see that what today's pay-per-view really is not pay-per-view and that it really should be free because uh, I still 
you know, I buy, I buy the majority of them, only because of it's work related. Right. But in my opinion, nowhere does it compare to what a pay per view event should be. I mean, what fights? You you get one or two fights that you might consider, oh, this is worth paying for. Okay. So I think maybe some of the suits are beginning to see, and and I think that they're feeling it probably in their wallets also. You know, not as many people are buying these so-called pay-per-view events, uh, and so uh, it, it probably is a good a good deal to just put it on uh, free TV until some of the real pay-per-view talent begins to emerge again. In what era, I don't know, but I don't see too many real pay-per-view fights out there, even right now. You know, um, when you look at, even look at Ward Ward and um, Kovalev. I mean, was that really, was that really pay-per-view? You know what I'm saying? You know, right. you, I, I've seen better, okay? I've seen better. And so, I think it's just becoming more and more the norm now. Billy, for a variety of reasons. Well, I think I think I think I think it's they're almost being forced to because you're right. Yeah. You know, people people don't want to shell out the coin anymore for for an anticlimactic fight. I mean, you know, we all saw that when Floyd and Manny fought. You know, it was a fight that we were drooling over for for six years, and finally yeah. it happens. And I think the last guy they just woke him up in the audience and and made him leave the venue. You know, so I mean, it was it was definitely. Uh, sad you know and it and it set pay-per-views back but basically what you're saying is let's go back to the future because that's what it used to be like you know when when there was a pay-per-view event you know in the 80s and i hate to always go back to the 80s but when when there were you know it wasn't just the main event you had three three other fights that were all significant i mean you, you know you could pick your pick your the fight that you wanted to be the main event really and it could have carried uh the pay-per-view and that's what made it's so exciting, uh, you know, like when we've talked where you get a bunch of buddies, you come over, you're watching a fight with friends. Now it's like, you know, you're, you're a boxing fan and, and you're alienating. You, you got to sneak about talking it, you know. I mean, we're in the business, so we're talking about it more. But most people that go to their work environment, you know, it's very rare to find someone else that's a, you know, that's a diehard boxing fan. They might find the Monday morning guy after the major event talking about it. But I think if they bring it back to network television or free TV in, in ESPN's case, that uh, that will certainly help. Yeah, and, and, and like you say, back to the future is a very good way of putting it. And uh, again, to kind of um, springboard off what you're saying, you're a boxing fan and you're asking, well, who's fighting? Okay, you know, back in the and and going back to the '80s and et cetera, uh, that's our frame of reference because those were the great pay-per-view events. And again, like you said, you would have the main event, and the so-called undercard pay on the pay-per-view would be uh, equal to major pay-per-view today. So you know, nobody had to ask who was fighting back then. Are you going to watch the fight? Oh, man, I, I won't miss it. Everybody knew. But now you don't even know. I mean, you know. So <laughs> What's worse, I think it's a good thing, too. What's worse is you may not know who's fighting, and the worst part is is even when somebody tells you you never heard of the guys, you're like, well, where, where are they from, you know? But uh, 
Uh, anyway, a couple of, uh, like last night, there was the toe-to-toe Tuesdays, the, uh, uh, the premier boxing champion series. And what, what I like with that and, and another fight I'm going to throw at you, um, you know, you saw Miguel Cruz uh, get a rematch with Alex Martin, which is, first of all, a rarity in today's sport, uh, which was the norm back in the day. And, you know, I mean, these two guys fought before in a close um, fight that could have gone either way. And they were both man enough to step in there and fight each other again. This time, Miguel Cruz, you know, won more decisively. But what impressed me about it is when you look at these two fighters, Larry, and you dissect it, they were very similar. They were almost the same age, almost the same height, uh, fought in the same division their entire careers, fought similar opposition, you know, collectively, combined records and stuff. And, And I'm looking at this and I'm going, oh, man, this is exactly how boxing needs to get back to. When you get to a certain plateau, 10, 12, 13 fights, you want to be fighting other guys like that so that the better guy moves forward and eventually becomes a contender. That's been an exception today. Um, what we see is a guy 13, 16, and 0 or whatever fighting a 4-9 and nine guy, you know, and, and we, you know, it's like I was talking about Diego De La Hoya earlier. You know, here's a guy with an impressive record, but he hasn't improved because he hasn't fought anybody uh, that's that great. What, what's your thoughts of getting these types of fat fights uh, back as the norm? Yeah, well, that's – and then, you you know, you have – in, in the Cruz and Martin fight, you know, you had the, the guy, you had, the, the fight was kind of like very evenly matched. You know, um, the records were very similar. You know, I think one Cruz, like he where we have like maybe 15, 16 fights, he's undefeated, I think. And, and, and the other kid, he only lost one or two fights. So, and, and they fought a close one. You know, as I recall, um, when they fought before, wasn't that kind? Of, was that kind of like a uh, maybe like a split decision? It was real close. Yeah, it was a split you know? decision. That's that's why yeah. I, I loved this fight because you know you, you not only are they equal in in all the statistics, but you got uh, Martin who lost the fight, feeling he won the fight, and felt he had something to prove. You know, and 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 the guy who hey. won figures, well, wow, that fight was too close. I got something to prove. You know, and and they fight. I mean, today very rarely. Do you see, you know, I, I was critical of uh, Mayweather uh, not too long ago saying, you know, he was very limited at rematches. He only gave two uh, in his whole career. And, of course, you get the, the, the fans that, you know, respond saying, well, he's, he's so good he doesn't have to give a rematch. And I think that's such a lame answer because if you have a, a fight against someone that was decent, not that, you know, he had uh, many uh, challenging fights, but... You know, if you are a fighter and you do get in a, a tough scrap, you should do a rematch. I mean, the fans want to see it, and and you know, don't doesn't the fighters want to prove that that they are the better guy? I mean, is that what's lacking today? You think? Yes, yes, yes. But once again, once again, um, you know, you have so many other variables involved with these guys today. You know, everybody wants to protect their records. That that big zero means so much. You know, back then, you know, you, you the great fighters, many of the great fighters' matchups made careers out of fighting each other. You know, think about some of the crazy stuff, what appears to be crazy, but some of the great fighters who fought five and six times, 
you know what I mean, each other. Right. Yeah, but that's what makes legacies. You know, Muhammad Ali wouldn't have been These Muhammad guys Ali. Really went out and, um, you know, they gave it their all. And they, 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 they accepted the challenge. They wanted to prove that they're the best. And the best always wants to fight the best. And if that's the same guy and we got to fight over and over, as long as the fans are satisfied, they did it. Right. But, you know, today they cherry pick, you know, they want to protect that um, you know, uh, fifteen and zero, twenty and zero. Oh, as long as that zero is on the other end, they don't care. Even today, look at look at how things. Yeah, I mean, Billy, I hate to always be saying years ago, years ago, but that's the only way you can make a valid argument for your points. Okay, the point is, is that, um, you know, once upon a time. You you really would have a fight, and you're saying Gee, there would be arguments about well who's going to win. Today, don't you really almost know who's going to win a fight? Right. You know they even have it now: the red corner, the blue corner, all of the winners coming out in the red corner. You know what I mean? You're yeah. sitting there watching this stuff, and you're saying how ridiculous have we gotten? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, so, yeah. When when stuff needs. When two guys would go to a fight, I remember you know when I used to go to a fight and I'd go with a buddy or a couple buddies or whatever, we would have friendly bets. Okay, who you get to pick the fighter you're going to win this time, and and you know you would actually have a fifty fifty shot. I'll take the guy in the red yeah. corner. You never heard of him. I'll take the guy in the red corner. I'll take the guy in the blue. Now you're exactly right. You know the corner that's going to win. There, it's the same corner all night long. And and if somebody else wins out of the opposite corner, it was an upset, you know. But but I, just to follow what you said, you know, great fighters throughout the history of the sport, and I do believe eventually this is going to catch up with, with, with Floyd Mayweather. I think, and I hope, because, you know, remember something. It's not all the fighters' fault about the O. I think that what's happened is, the promoters and the networks felt that they couldn't uh, promote and sell fighters that weren't undefeated. I think the value in the O came from the lack of uh, knowledge from the fan base, you know, the young fan base who bought into the O, you know, and thought that that equals quality and good greatness, etc. I think eventually if that attitude changes, if it doesn't change, then Floyd will be looked upon as the greatest. I, I, I saw him on ESPN yesterday saying the greatest fighter of all time, the best ever, pound for pound, wow, Floyd Mayweather. And, and listen, is- the guy, you know, you can make a very strong case that he's the, the best wow. of his era, you know. I, I, I mean, but the greatest of all time, the best ever, I mean, that's, oh. that's, that can't be, you know. And, and if people are saying that and they're believing it, well, then, Maybe they're never going to look at the the truth, you know. But but anyway, I, you know, like I said, I don't believe blame the O so much on on the fighters. I blame it on the networks and promoters. But my point was this, Larry: great fighters in the history, like you mentioned, fighting a fighter a bunch of times. Sugar Ray Robinson, Jake LaMotta is a great example. You know, yes. Sugar Ray Robinson, yes. Gene Fulmer, uh, another great yes. example. Um, and, the Leo. And of, and, yes. Yeah, and of course, Ali, Muhammad Ali, think about the dance partners he had. He had Joe Frazier, George Foreman, Kenny Norton, you know, and then the the other guys that he fought a couple of times, like Chivalo and and, uh, some of the the other great heavyweights of the era, Ron Lyle and, and Jimmy Young. I mean, he had so many other dance partners that he could fight and win and be elevated to great. 
I just don't understand how fans can look at a guy, look at a record, and it, and it could be any fighter, not, you know, I'm not saying specifically Mayweather, but any fighter and say, oh, he's good because of his record. I mean, you see it all the time when you get a guy from, uh, you know, on the other side of the pond coming over and you know nobody knows who he is, but he must be good because he's 26-0, and 0, you know what I mean? Yep, yep, and that's how they sell the fights. And, again, uh, a lot of that is, is, is the fault of the promoters, the networks, etc. That's how they sold, they've been selling the fights, and it has become fashionable. And the fans, yeah, I can't, I can't, um, you know, I can't convince my grandson that Floyd Mayweather, hey, well, you know, he's undefeated. He's 49 and 0. I can't convince him. I can't make him understand. You, you know, you can't even get into, get in depth into uh, what greatness entails um, and how other fighters who weren't undefeated were still great fighters. They just throw it back at you. Well, you know, he lost five fights. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. He lost five times. He didn't lose at all. That's, the arguments are based on that. And that is a result of the promotion of this, you know, this uh, invincible fighter because he doesn't, he has never lost a fight, you know. So, you know, that's what we're up against. And um, over time, I think that it will change because if the quality is not there, eventually people are going to begin to understand that a great fighter, you know, is more than someone who has never lost a fight. Oh, I, you know. listen, I get into that argument all the time. The same one you, you, you have with your grandson. And, and I always say, you know, they say to me, oh, who do you think is the greatest fighter of all time? And it's an easy answer for me. I say Sugar Ray Robinson. And they go, oh, yeah, he's not. And I said, why do you say that? Said, well, he lost double-digit fights. You know, he lost, you know, almost, almost 20 fights. And I'm like, yeah, but, the, you know, you, don't you understand that, you know, first of all, he was fighting at 40 years old, and, and a lot of those losses came. And I said, don't look at how many times he fought. He had over 200 fights. You know, I, I mean, you know, and they go, well, Mayweather is undefeated. Plus, he made a lot of money. You know, so that's the answer I get all the time, that he's undefeated, he's never been beaten, and he's made a lot of money. And, and the other thing is, they go, ah, fighters can't touch. And this is the other answer. They can't touch him. He's such a defensive marvel. And I say, listen, oh I go, Floyd is great defensively. But, you know, and, and then they throw, they tell me what the definition of sweet science is. Oh, hit and not get hit. And I say, yeah, but you forget the last line. You're supposed to hit and not get hit, but still be in position to inflict damage on your opponent. Floyd isn't. When, when he can't be hit, he can't hit his opponent because he's on the other side of the ring. That's, that's not that's master. Right. That's not defensive master. Right. You know, but anyway, it is what it is. He's, he's, you know, uh, uh, definitely uh, the best fighter of his generation. Uh, you can yes. spin it any way you want, but you know, when you start saying the best ever and everything, it's it's not fair to to the other fighters, and it's not really fair to Floyd because nobody's invented a time machine where we could send him back to to have him fight one of these guys if he even would. That's the whole other question, you know. But, right, right. You know, you know, you never know if you, you know, the, there was only one guy that Sugar Ray Robinson never wanted to fight, and that was Charlie Burley. And it was more because he knew that Burley's uh, style was so hard that he didn't want to look stupid in there, and, and, and that was the reason. you know. But, but one other thing I wanted to mention real quick uh, along the lines of, 
of maybe we're starting to see a turn, uh, you know, to go back to the way it was. They announced that um, a, a, a heavyweight fight that's going to be on the undercard of Adrian Broner, uh, Mikey Garcia, uh, Gerald Washington against uh, uh, Jarrell Miller. Now, I'm not saying both of these guys or either of these guys are superstars, Larry, but what I like about this fight is that they're fighting each other. They're both similar in, in, uh, in records and size and, and all of this. And I'm wondering if you think we're starting to see not only a change of maybe getting better fights on, on free TV, but are we starting to see the break in what you and I are complaining about right now? Are fighters finally realizing that they got to step up and fight real fights to gain a fan base? And if you lose against a good fighter, there's nothing wrong with that. You just get better and, and fight again. I think, I, think that's, I, I think that's part of it. I, I think that's part of it. I think that um, the fighters are, are beginning to, to realize that not only that, Billy, I think that the fighters are also beginning to realize that when they fight against greater competition, they learn and get better, and they're more appreciated by the fans, and they develop in many in, in, in many uh, cases, you know they they develop a quicker fan base by uh, accepting these greater challenges, win or lose, as long as they look good. Did I lose? Paid well, you follow? Yeah. So I think that that's the way the trend is going now. You know, um, as long as people want to see them and they come back and they put in a good performance, and they're going to win. They're going to win a lot of fights along the way. Okay? I think that that's a trend. It's going to be slow, but I think that it's going to take hold eventually. You know, and I Ke think that's what we're beginning to see. I think you're right, and and I think that Kel Brook had something to do with that. Here's a guy that, that lost his last two fights but gained popularity yes. because yes. of the way that, they, they, that you know, he showed uh, uh, that he's not afraid to take on challenges win, lose, or draw, and people seem yeah. to appreciate that. You know, real fight fans appreciate that. And in the last fight, he, you know, he, he was smart enough to know that it was over for him, and, you know, uh, you didn't have to uh, prove anything to anybody. And I was very critical of, of the uh, fans that were calling him a quitter uh, for uh, knowing that he can fight another day if he stops now and may never see again if he didn't. You know what I mean? Well, you go, you're going to always have brave fans. You got brave fans. You got brave referees. You got brave cornermen. Okay, but the real the real fans, the real fight fans, the real seasoned guys, they understand. Hey, listen, <laughs> you're not in there taking the punishment. The guy gave it his all. He didn't dog it. You know, he wasn't looking for a way out, but he realized that it's better for him to maybe, uh, you know, say okay. You know, I'll give in this time, but I'll be back. You know, people appreciate that as long as they get their money's worth. And I think that's the way the, uh, the trend is going now. And I welcome it. Yeah. Because I'm one of those type of guys, you know. No, and, and it's what the sport is about. You know, you start off, you, 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 you become a pro, you work yourself into a, uh, labeled a prospect, then you work into contention, then you work for a title. That's the way it should be. You earn it. And, and the worst part about it, Larry, and I know you see this firsthand, 
you know, when you got a kid in the gym and you're trying to give him advice and you tell him to work hard, you know, keep your nose clean, you know, do what you got to do, work hard and, and it will pay off. And the kid does just that. And then he sees a, a, another fighter in the gym who might have uh, some financial backing and the kid doesn't work as hard, doesn't fight his tough fights and he's the guy getting the shot. It kind of it has to be depressing and it must turn yeah. a lot of young fighters away. And, you know, what do you tell a kid when you're telling them to do the right thing and the system is failing him? You know, I mean, it's hard. Yeah, but that's life. You know, that's you know, when you, you that's the key term, the system. You know, it's like any other job. You work hard on a job. You know, you've earned the right for the promotion. But because of the system, somebody knows somebody or whatever, they get the promotion. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just something that it's something that you have to contend with in life. But it's very true what you're saying. Yeah. You know. Well, listen, Larry, I appreciate it, uh, the time. And uh, obviously next week we'll be uh, talking about the outcome of uh, – Manny Pacquiao and Jeff Horn, which I'm sure we yeah. know. I'm sure we could probably talk. We could have talked about the fight today if we wanted, but uh, well, we'll wait till after it actually happens. But uh, uh, and uh, hopefully we got some other good news to talk about, and uh, we'll look forward to that. Okay, okay, Billy. I'll see. You hey, next hey. Week. By the way, speaking of that, um, next week is the Fourth of July. Uh, we are doing a show. Are you going to still be available? Yeah, I'll be around. All right. Sure. So, sounds good. Sounds good, my man. All right. Well, you uh, you have a good one, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Okay, Billy. All right, brother. Take care. That's uh, Larry Hazard, Boxing Hall of Famer and New Jersey Commissioner. I got, I'm going to reach out and uh, tell Larry uh, what the deal is for our uh, event. Hopefully, uh, he'll have some time to uh, come on down uh, in August, and uh, that would be great for you guys to uh, meet uh, Larry Hazard, uh, not only the uh, International Boxing Hall of Famer, but also uh, uh, he's in several other hall of, hall of, Halls of Fame, uh, including the New Jersey Boxing Hall of Fame and the newly formed Atlantic City Boxing Hall of Fame. So, uh, And this is a guy that uh, knows the sport inside and out. Uh, you know how I'm always talking about boxing people, how the sport needs boxing people. Well, Larry Hazard is one of the positives of boxing because he's a boxing guy. And he's involved in the sport. We need, you know, they, they should have, not to get off topic, but they should have a prerequisite for anybody that's a commissioner or any position in the sport of boxing, whether you're a judge, a, a, a referee, or even a corner man. I'm convinced that corner men should have to undergo some type of, of training before they can become a, a corner man rather than just pay a, a seconds fee and poof, you're, you're a trainer, you know. Uh, we need boxing people. We don't need rah-rah men, and we don't need people that uh, uh, have money in their checking account and uh, can get into the sport. Larry Hazard is a true uh, boxing guy, and the sport is uh, better uh, with having him. So we're going to try and get uh, him to uh, uh, be with us uh, in August. But uh, anyway, hey, listen, I'm going to take a short break. When I come back, uh, I will uh, have Sal back on the line. And uh, we got some other stuff to talk about, so don't go nowhere. Billy Z will be right back. Part of the Billy Z Boxing Network. Check out BillyZBoxing.com now. Or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyZBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy's Interact with the 
show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. And I'm going to keep saying it till you make your reservation. Don't forget, we're doing a Billy C get together in August, August 25th and 26th at the Sea Palms, the beautiful Sea Palms Resort uh, down on uh, St. Simons Island in Georgia. So uh, make sure you make your plans right now. Visit our website, BillyCBoxing.com. And uh, click on the uh, CPOMS banner, which uh, you can't miss. It's uh, right there on the right-hand side. Uh, and speaking about can't miss, when you come down to St. Simon's, we're all going to go to Sal's, man. And uh, Sal's going to make us some uh, pizza and then some, right, brother? Absolutely. I can't wait. And you know what? I heard the segment, and I would love it if Larry Hazard would come down. I love Larry. And uh, let me tell you, I was talking about Larry last night. It's so funny because... I have Larry, a picture of Larry refereeing one of my bouts on the wall. And uh, I was pointing out some uh, people, and uh, someone asked, well, who was the referee there? I said, that's the one and only very famous and respected Larry Hazard, who's the commissioner of Jersey and IBF and all this other stuff there. So, I mean, it was great. Larry, Larry's had a stellar career, and I would love to see Larry again. Uh, Larry's a class act, and uh, oh, yeah. uh, I'm sure uh, I'm sure we can get him to come down. But uh, anyway, um, we got some emails to read. But first, uh, let me get everyone caught up on uh, some Major League Baseball scores. If you're interested, Nationals over the Cubs six to one. The Rays beat the Pirates in ten innings, four to two. The Orioles over the Blue Jays uh, three to one. The Red Sox topped the Twins nine to two. Rangers over the Indians two to one. Tigers over the Royals five to three. The Reds uh, beat the Brewers 8-6. to six. The Marlins beat up on the hapless Mets. The Mets cannot beat the Marlins, so, I, you know, it is what it is. Uh, Marlins 6, Mets 3. One thing I will mention about the Mets, uh, unfortunately, uh, that I'm a fan, but more than that, Ron Darling uh, was uh, pretty pissed off. And, uh, you know, all these injuries that are happening to the Mets, uh, you know, it just seems a little funny, you know. And uh, one of his comments were, you know, they, they brought in this, uh, uh, you know, uh, guy to help them uh, train. And uh, he's got them all doing weights and all of this stuff, and he's calling them a muscle head. And he's right. You know, in certain sports, uh, boxing is one of them. You know, weightlifting and stuff has to be done very carefully. And uh, baseball, obviously, I mean, uh, Joanna Cespedes, ripping his leg apart, uh, rounding the bases, all their pitches going down with arm injuries and all of this stuff. You know, to have too much muscle sometimes is not good in sports that, you know, you need to use, uh, you know, the body parts. Like in as pitchers, you know, too much muscle means there's not enough tendon to hold everything together. Same thing in boxing. And uh, I'm glad that Ron Darling uh, put uh, this guy on notice because it's true. The Mets... The Mets have really failed us, the fan base. Uh, anyway, the, the Mets suck. Uh, White Sox <laughs> topped the Yankees 4-3. to three. The A's over the Astros 6-4. to four. The Diamondbacks uh, over the Cardinals in 10 innings 6-5. to five. Phillies beat up on the uh, Mariners 8-2. to two. The Dodgers keep winning. Thank God they're my second favorite team, man. Uh, you know, because they were from Brooklyn. They haven't been in Brooklyn in 150 years practically, but uh, I still like them. Dodgers 4, Angels nothing. Braves 3, Padres zip. And the Giants and the Rockies, 14-inning game. Giants finally winning a game 4-3. Uh, to three. So, uh, 
some uh, some tough stuff. And I know you're pretty adamant, Sal, about too much weight too much weight training, uh, especially in boxing, right? Oh, of course. And you know, when you weight tra- when you're weight training. You've got to be very, very careful. You've got to stretch the muscles before, maybe during and after your training. And I I was a big believer in the Nautilus concept of weight training. And Nautilus had a different uh, approach, uh, strengthening the uh, the uh, positive and the negative uh, uh, aspects of the muscle tissue um, with the contractions. And... I, uh, I stretched. I did very well with Nautilus. Uh, it kept me strong and solid. And, you know, you said something earlier. Uh, a lot of these athletes today seem to be coming down with more and more uh, injuries, muscle-related injuries. And a lot of times the connective tissue, as you suggested, the ligaments, the tendons, that is not as strong as or proportionate to the development of some of these muscle tissues that that people are, are are building and being explosive and so when you have a muscle tissue and I'm not a doctor so you know what I'm saying is is neither here or there no one should really take it seriously but, but did you stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night I did last night All you right, you want to know something I did but what I'm suggesting is this when you are developing it's just common sense when you're developing developing that muscle. And uh, that muscle is still supported by what God gave you as a connective tissue, ligament, tendon, whatever you want to uh, call it. And that connective tissue is not strong enough to support the exertion or the explosiveness or the power or the strength of that muscle. Uh, it's going to tear away from the bone or it's going to tear away from the muscle. And that's where you're going to have a lot of serious injuries. I'm not suggesting this, but, you know, never in my life did I remember in the 90s or so, or early 2000s, so many baseball injuries, torn this, tear that, everything else. And, you know, uh, it's also some things that happen even in football. And, you know, what happens a lot of times, even if people are taking, maybe taking some steroids, I heard that steroids may weaken some of the connective tissue. So if you're if you're strengthening the muscle tissue and and, and weakening the connective tissue, you're going to have a definite disproportionate uh, uh, situation where muscle is going to explode and rip the tendon or ligament or connective tissue. Well, a great analogy for that is is you know in in I don't know I guess construction terms, if you take a Luan door, which is like an interior door. And, you know, you have hinges. They come pre-hung or whatever. And they have the hinges and it's all set up for that. And you take that door out and put a solid steel, like a safe door in that frame and screw them to the hinges that are designed for the Luan <laughs> light skin door and start opening and closing. What you'll find is that those hinges will eventually fail and they will break. And those represent the tendons that we're talking about and the door represents the muscle tissue that got too big for those tendons to open and close the door it's the same thing around your knees and your arms and and everything else when that muscle gets too big uh the like you said sal the the natural uh, tendon can't handle it no mo 
What room did you stay in last night? I think we were in the same hotel. We were in the same Holiday Inn Express. I tell you what, because I'm not a doctor either. I love the analogy. You know me with analogy. I I tell you what, I understood that because I'm no doctor either. I don't even play one on the radio, but I did stay in a Holiday Inn Express last (laughs) night. You know. But uh, anyway, I'll we better get to the emails gotta before we got to quit. I'll tell you what we got to <laughs> stop doing is giving them free publicity without them paying us. You know, I mean, come <laughs> you on. Know, you got a point there. Yeah. You know, Let's I mean, go. I just I just got you to stop doing it. Now I'm doing it, you know. So, uh, geez. But uh, anyway, we got an email. First one's from my man, Jesse. Jesse says, hey, Billy C. And Sal. Hey, Billy, Eduardo Hernandez got another win on Saturday, but it was against a veteran fighter who didn't look too in shape. Boxrec has him at number 20. And he's referring to the computerized uh, ranking in BoxRec. He has pretty good skills skills for his age, uh, but still would not put him up against the top 15 fighter. Maybe him against Ryan Kizowski, Ivan Morales, uh, Rene Alvarado, Jonathan uh, Arilano, Jason Valiz, uh, Louis Franco, Yondale Evans, or Lamont. Lamont, you dummy. Roach. Uh, or is he too young and inexperienced versus those skilled fighters? Um you know, this goes back to what we've been talking about. You know, if the computer's going to rank you at a certain level and, um, you know, you're, you're ranked even higher than that by a sanctioned organization, it's time to fight the fights. You know, this has been my point from day one, and I'm sure you agree with me, Sal. Um, if a fighter doesn't get an opportunity to increase his level of opposition a little bit between, you know, as as they keep going with the, the their fight, the progression of their fights and their records, they're never going to get better. And another analogy that I'll use is if you have a football team, and uh, you know, I know we have a lot of European viewers, but I'm talking about uh, American football, NFL. If you have the best team, uh, let's assume it's the New England Patriots uh, playing the worst team let's assume my team, the Jets or the Cleveland Browns, and they play them for 16 weeks and they go undefeated at 16-0, and 0, are they truly the best team in football if they're constantly playing the worst? You know, if a high school football team is playing a Pop Warner team and smacks the crap out of them every time, are they a good team? And my answer would be no. What do you think, Sal? Well, great analogy again, you son of a gun. I can't believe it. You're pulling this stuff right out of the hat. Um, or no, someplace lower. Or someplace lower. <laughs> I, you're funny guy. You. I'll tell you what. This is a good analogy. And, and, and you're, We're losing you a little play bit. on a, a level or above the level of your competition. You, you, you uh, play lower. You could be dominant, sure. But how good are you going to be and what is going to be revealed once you step up to somebody equal or superior and that's the test that uh, often fighters will come across or superior sports team will, will uh, also endure and have to learn yeah you got to challenge yourself to get better you challenge yourself, and man. and and you know if if in a fight game you know if they put you in and you barely squeak by then you fight that same level again until you really dominate then it's time to move forward you know in the fight game you fight an opponent, especially you know if you're with the right people, they're building you up, they put you in, they fight an opponent. You dominate, you move up, you get the next level up. You know If you don't dominate, but you get the win, and it's funny, in today's fight game, you know they'll say, oh, well, you need to fight a southpaw. You got to learn how to fight a southpaw. So they fight one, 
And you know what? Yeah, he fought a southpaw. Now he knows how to fight southpaws. Next, you know, saying no, no, no. You know, back in the day, to fight a southpaw meant you got to fight every style of a southpaw: a puncher, a boxer, a mover, a, a short guy, a, 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 a not so you know, a tall guy, a lanky guy. A, a, you know, you know, all different styles before you can say that you've mastered fighting a southpaw. You know, and and likewise, if you're a southpaw. You, you got to fight other southpaws. You can't always just fight righties, you know? So, uh, no. you know, the thing is, is that the progression of building up fighters today is detrimental to the fighter. It, it may be helpful career-wise and opportunity-wise, but Sal, how many times, and it, I mean, obviously, I, you know, we can't put a number on it, but how many times have we seen a guy who goes into the ring, he steps into the ring with an impressive-as-hell record, you know, 20, 25, 28 wins, no losses, uh, you know, 26 coming by knockout. He gets his shot. He's manip- maneuvered into a, a, a title shot. He fights a, the champion and gets blown out of there, blown out of there. And then everybody says, oh, he was exposed. Well, he may have been <laughs> exposed, but the truth of the matter is, is he was never given a chance to get better. No, no. And as you said, being handled correctly, from the get-go, from the amateur days, and getting that experience and and learning to fight different styles, different fights, different things, is all part of the old school. And you know, I'll I'll tell you, and I'll be humbled by this fact. You know, after I won the gold gloves or anything else, I had my first amateur defeat at the hands of this slick boxer. I couldn't believe this guy. I went in a ring, and his name was I think Wilfredo Marcano, Marcano, and. It was in, he was from Patterson. I went in a ring with this guy, and I was strong. I was solid, and, and I had decent skills at that point. But this guy ran around me, hit me. I didn't even see where he was. And he, he was shorter than me, about my height. And I couldn't believe what this guy was doing in, in three rounds. And I, 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 I walked out of that ring, and I said, boy, I, I can't believe this guy was phenomenal. I couldn't believe it. I went to school. And I learned what style he possessed that I had needed to counter, how to cut off the ring, how to do this, how to do that, how to stay on my opponent, how to slip the punches, how to block this, how to counter. And six months later, I fought him, and, and I knocked him out because it was, uh, it was a fight that I had to – or they stopped it. It was a fight that I had to overcome and learn that style. I never faced that style before. And this guy w- w- was like fighting a, a Hector Camacho in a sense. And I, and I said, you know – Maybe not Hector Camacho, but you know what I mean, that kind of style. And uh, I said, wow, this guy's all over the place, and he's eating me up alive. But I learned that style. I learned how to overcome it. And that's what a lot of these young fighters today aren't given that opportunity, aren't going to school, aren't being, uh, uh, aren't receiving the tutelage from the trainers the way that they used to do it in the old school. And I told you this many times. When I would learn something, the light would go off, and the trainer would say to me, hey, Sal, do me a favor. Just pass it on what, you, what you're learning. Pass it on to the future. Because those old school trainers, they had an insight to boxing. They knew that boxing was only going to continue and greatness was only, only going to be achieved if the old school and old training was going to be duplicated and passed on. And a lot of these things were not passed on. That's what we have today. Now, well, like I always say, fighters don't fight. Trainers don't train. Promoters don't promote. Everybody looks for the easy way out. Even you, people don't even talk on the phone anymore. They text, but uh, no. Anyway, you know Jesse how says, much I, you know, I, I can't stand that. You know, 
you could text all you want, but pick up a damn phone and call, and and you'll get the answer. No, right because there. We, yeah, but I we mean, don't I want. Mean, yeah, but it's people, crazy. But people don't want the interaction anymore. But anyway, no, they don't. Um, they don't. It's become an impersonal society. Um, it's like that. You know, wants to engage. Exactly. Uh, Ger- uh, Jesse says, uh, "Hey, Billy, I heard that Gerald Washington is facing uh, Big Baby Miller and Charlo against Jorge Sebastian Highland." Uh, on the Mikey Garcia undercard, how do you like those bouts? Highland has pretty good uppercut and straight left, but seems to be slow as a straight up stance. Hi- Highland is a, just a sacrificial lamb for Charlo. Uh, I do like the uh, uh, Miller uh, Washington fight. I, I-, I think uh, we talked about it earlier, but I, I think that uh, that's going to be a pretty even fight. Uh, the winner uh, advancing he says, "Do you think Carlos Negron can make noise in the heavyweight division after his knockout of uh, uh, Derek Rossi?" Um, you know, I, I mean, Derek Rossi, I, I love the kid as a person, but, you know, he's a journeyman type fighter. I, I use that term loosely. I, I don't mean to discredit him in any way, but, um, you know, he's a tough out. So I give uh, Negron uh, credit for beating him. But, uh, you know, today's heavyweight, you know, has to be 6'5 and bigger. They have to weigh 230, 240 pounds. Uh, it's just the nature of the heavyweight today. Uh, you're not going to see a smaller guy um, come out and, and, and beat an Anthony Joshua. It's not happening. You know, uh, even even a guy who I love, Brian Jennings, who just signed with, with top rank, he's probably the best conditioned uh, fighter I've seen, especially at heavyweight. But he's, you know, I mean, you know, the Michael Spinks uh, winning a world heavyweight title uh, is not going to happen. I, and as much as Andre Ward is, is trying to smoke screen us and making it sound like he's going to be a heavyweight, it's never going to happen. Um, Sal, I got uh, an email uh, directed to you. Uh, this okay. is from Joel, uh, and he says, uh, Hey, Sal, will you be uh, at the very least watching Pacquiao and Horn, uh, or, uh, at, or will you be too busy uh, at the restaurant? Oh, no. We're going to have it on that TV. I could be tossing pies. I could be shaking hands with my customers. I could be doing everything. But you will bet, and I will make sure. I will see every punch that's thrown in that fight. He I'll also, be watching that. He also wants to ask you, you know, when you go to a, 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 a summer holiday barbecue, um, do you bring pizza? Uh, or do you like traditional hot dogs, hamburgers, etc.? You know, it's so funny. Thanks, Joel. I, I, you know, I haven't been invited. I haven't had a barbecue in years. In fact, uh, I don't know. I, 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 I'm working all the time. I haven't been to a backyard barbecue. I'd like to. Maybe I'll have one. This well, we'll, year. <laughs> we'll we'll add that. We'll add that no, to the, our. Uh, we'll list, add that to yeah. our uh, uh, our our list of things. We'll have a we'll have a, a Sal's barbecue. We will. In fact, the last one I had was actually with my old girlfriend. We had one for her family. That was back in the uh, two thousand. Uh, oh my gosh, two thousand thirteen. Well, Joel says he loves hot dogs. He usually eats four at a sitting. Hey, Joel, that's nothing. You ever watch the Coney Island Nathan's Hot Dog Contest? Oh my God, these guys! Oh, I watched one. Man, I watched one. I watched it last year. I think the guy ate like seventy-five. You know, they suck him down. I know. And there's always this little guy. I know. It's How always. The heck- <laughs> They they have a technique. They they dip the dog yep. in water. No, they dip so the roll. The roll in the water. Oh, they dip the roll in water. They suck it down. And you're right. The the little skinny guys. They always <laughs> when you get these big fat Gonzales and they uh, you're figuring oh man you know the guy can throw down nine pizzas right and he can only hey he can only eat thirty hot dogs you know it's like thirty hot dogs you know like, holy jeez you know I I mean four hot, listen 
I there's nothing better than a hot dog cooked on a grill. But they are the yeah. worst thing for you. You might as well put a you might as well put a bullet in a gun and uh, play roulette, you know, because uh, they they're so unhealthy for you. But I well, I got to admit, well, that, I love having that uh, in the summer. I, I you know I try to limit it to maybe a hot dog or two, uh, you know, throughout the summer. Maybe maybe I'll have uh, you know a little more than that. But uh, but they are good. There's no doubt. Bill, they they are very good, and you know, but I I I ask myself, you know, here again, I didn't stay at that Holiday Inn, but let, I I'll ask myself, and I'll watch that competition once in a while, just just in awe, like I can't believe this guy's eating seventy dogs or whatever. But I'm saying, how's his body assimilating all that sodium or all that stuff without him going into cardiac arrest or something? I I don't understand it. Yeah, or having yeah. a stroke. Um, I got uh, a long email, and this one's from. Uh... Uh, my man uh, Mitch, and uh, Mitch is uh, Mitch is always right on. So I, you know, as much as I request people to uh, keep their emails short, uh, obviously, uh, Rich, uh, I mean Mitch. He says, "Sorry for the long." <laughs> I love the title. He writes, "Sorry for the long email. I don't have any excuses, but." And then but he has the, the, the but. And then here comes the long email. But uh, he says, "I got a lot to cover. I got a lot to cover on this email." Uh, Billy C, number one, uh, he's got them all broken down nice so we can comment. Number one, he says, I can't believe that the Russian, he's referring to Sergio, uh, to Serge, uh, uh, Ser Kovalev. yeah, that's the guy, Sergio Kovalev. Um, he says, I can't believe the Russian is falling for this. He's actually considering the guy that you say is the number one trainer in the world. And he's referring to uh, the comments that Virgil Hill, who I definitely don't, I think he's probably one of the worst trainers in the world, uh, says he'll actually train uh, Sergey Kovalev. And uh, the quote from Kovalev is, uh, Ward's trainer has offered to work with me. It's an interesting proposal. I asked my manager to find out if all of this was true and under what conditions. Will Ward remain at his current weight as I've heard that he wants to move up? If me and him have the same trainer and we're both in the same weight division, then it doesn't make sense. But do I need a new trainer? I've already made a decision on this for myself. Um, you know, he says, no, he says, but I do need a new trainer. I already made this decision by myself. Um, Mitch says, really, dude? Uh, you know, the thing is, is I think Sergey Kovalev is making a huge mistake um, getting rid of John David Jackson. You can't blame John David Jackson for his lack of, you know, uh, uh, whatever you want to call it, urgency. Passion, fire. Or urgency. Anything, I mean, he fought. A spark. He, yeah, he fought with no urgency. <laughs> Uh, in the in the Ward fight, and as far as Ward moving up, Sal, what difference does it make? Ward is not going to fight Kovalev again. Ward, Ward is going to cherry pick or or seek out. Uh, I shouldn't. That, I should. Well, I shouldn't use the word cherry pick because Ward may yeah. seek out some bigger and better challenges. Uh, we'll have to wait and see on that. But he's also already said that he's never going to fight Kovalev again. So if Kovalev did want to go with Virgil Hunter. Um, you know, I, Ward should not be part of his decision. I, but I no. think that what should be part of his decision is that he really looks at Virgil Hunter and uh, makes an educated uh, decision on if he really wants to go with this guy. I mean, uh, um, you know, I, to tell you the truth, a guy like uh, Sergey Kovalev, he would be, and I hate to say this because I, I don't think that he's that great of a trainer either, but an aggressive, offensive-minded trainer like Freddie Roach might be the answer for Kovalev or even pull him out of retirement, my man Kevin Rooney. He needs an aggressive, 
uh, style of a trainer, somebody that's going to capitalize on his strengths, uh, which is aggression and punching power. But I think somewhere along the line, Sal, Kovalev has lost that. I think he's I lost think he's it. Lost it. I think he's lost that fire. I think he's lost a step. I think he's lost another thing. I just want to throw in the mix. You know who would be an ideal trainer? An ideal trainer for uh, Kovalev. My old trainer. And I think he's retired too. Uh, and Holyfield's old trainer, Don Turner. Don Turner would be phenomenal for Kovalev. Yeah, I I think that he need. Well, I think he needs an aggressive offensive-minded trainer uh, a lot of uh, like uh, coaches mentioning in the chat room that uh, rumors have it that Mark Breland might work with him yeah Breland's not I mean I'll Breland, work with him well I'll Breland, fire him up. Breland Breland yeah we don't need rah-rah men we you know Breland, <laughs> Breland is a is a is a really good uh trainer the and and we saw Breland at work with Deontay Wilder against uh when he fought uh Stavern. That was yeah. the best performance that, that Deontay Wilder had. Now, since then, we all know that Stavern was way overrated. We all overrated him, including myself. Um, so, you know, how much credit do we really give uh, Wilder for beating him? But he fought a smart, disciplined uh, game plan behind Mark Breland. But every other fight that, that um, uh, Deontay Wilder has under Breland is uh, aggression, goes for the knockout. Now, maybe that's because he knows he's fighting... Uh, you know, stiffs in there, and I don't mean that disrespect because uh, all the stiffs that he beats would knock me out. But, uh, uh, you know, if you're pounding your chest saying you're the best heavy, heavyweight in the world and you're fighting stiffs, um, you know, I, I don't know where you can come up with that. But the truth of the matter is, is um, I, I think a guy like Kovalev, if all of a sudden he wants to become a defensive fighter, uh, I think mentally he's done. Yeah, I think you're right uh, because uh, you know he's uh, he's he's losing some of his steps in his arsenal there, and this guy's got to be aggressive. He's got to throw more punches. He's got to let his hands fly. He's got to uh, he's got to do a lot of things. But uh, you know, I, I I agree with you. I think he's lost a little fire. I think he's lost a little bit of uh, that intent to want to go in there and hurt his opponent. So uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we're both wrong. We'll see what he does. Like I said, a fighter's only as good as his last fight. And on his last performance, uh, it didn't show me much fire in the belly. No. And it was no. Me, you uh, said it. showed me his wind out of his belly. You said it right uh, right after the fight. You said he showed no sign of urgency throughout that no. fight. And that was the case. Yeah. You were right. But, uh, hey, listen, let's take a short break. When I come back, we got the rest of uh, uh, Mitch's email. And uh, we got some other stuff. So uh, don't go nowhere. So we'll be back in two. Billy Z will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to BillyCBoxing. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, speaking about being with, uh, I'm here with uh, my man, uh, uh, Sal uh, Rocky Senecola. And uh, we're in the middle of reading an email from uh, my man, Mitch. And he says, uh, second, I, I think the plan for Aram 
and De La Hoya is to knock Al Heyman out of business. Uh, think about it. They both have ESPN deals. Uh, Arams extends to ABC and Disney, and he writes uh, boxing on Disney. Well, actually, just FYI, uh, Disney owns ESPN, so uh, it's it's the parent company, and, and that's why it's showing up as Disney. Uh, he says, uh, I could see a robust competition between the two, battling each other on ESPN and ABC while doing uh, what Heyman does, freezing his fighters out. Uh, however, I think this is a real deal and not time buys. I think Aram will play uh, fair and matches guys with uh, K2, main event, Golden Boy, Eddie Hearn, and even premier boxing fighters. Uh, he says, I think the end game uh, is the fact that Pacquiao... Uh, Fights Horn on ESPN with Michael Conlon, Shane Mosley Jr., and other top-ranked guys on the card. Then he gives Shakur Stevenson his headlining show on ESPN. He also just signed Bryant Jennings, so don't be shocked if you see Jennings take on Luis Ortiz on ESPN or an Anthony Joshua on ABC when Joshua makes his American debut. The Lomachenko-Solito rematch is rumored to be heading to ESPN, and Terrence Crawford's title uh, unification is also going to be on ESPN. Speaking of Crawford, something you mentioned the other day stuck with me. If Pacquiao wins and Crawford wins, that will be an ABC spectacular if they put it on free TV. After that, it becomes top rank versus Golden Boy since they both have ESPN deals and top rank versus the world. If Heyman doesn't play ball with them, that's fine. They now have free TV de deals without time buys, and they can freeze uh, him out. Golden Boy cards on ESPN have been good, and he has a list of prospects who are going to be exceptional in the next two to five years. Remember, you heard this first. Bryant Jennings' manager is a guy named James Prince. He brought Jennings to top rank. Shakir Stevenson's manager is named James Prince. He brought Stevenson to top rank. Andre Ward's manager, James Prince. Once Rock Nation bows out of boxing, guess where Andre Ward might wind up? According to Mitch, he says, I'm just saying. He says, lastly, on your show, you asked uh, how McGregor has a chance to beat Mayweather. I think there are two ways. But before I read that, I just want you guys uh, to, I want you to understand, Mitch, that um, remember ESPN is paying these guys. It's not a buy deal. They're not paying to put Manny Pacquiao and, and Jeff Horn on. They're not paying to put uh, you know a potential Crawford or Joshua on. So it's up to ESPN if they're willing to open up their pocketbooks. It does seem like they are for these high-profile fights, which is a good thing for us. He says, uh, here's two ways that he feels that uh, McGregor has a chance to beat Mayweather. He says, one involves the center of the ring. One involves when Floyd goes to the ropes like he does. I wish I could illustrate it, but I can't via an email, but maybe I'll make you a video. Uh, he says, in order to beat Floyd, you have to double uh, jab him. You have to double jab the left arm of Floyd Mayweather. Once the second jab has touched the 90-degree angled left bent arm of Floyd, open the glove slightly. Is it cheating? Yes, but so what? Hold down Floyd's left arm a bit. This will cause him to lean back further, but throw his right hand down the pipe faster than he wants to. When he does this, his head follows the punch. By trapping his left arm to his torso, he has no defense, and you can shoot your right hand straight into his left ear, jaw, or cheek. Think Castillo. Zab Judah did it. And, of course, this comes from the art of Wing Chun, Jun Fan trapping. Look it up. It works. Trust me on this one. But can you trust Connor to do it? The best way for Connor to beat Floyd? When they're in the center of the ring, Connor needs to faint often, but do the same faint with his left side of his body over and over and over. Once Connor realizes Floyd's figured him out and figured that pattern, Connor should 
faint as if he was going to do the same kind of MMA kick with his right leg. And as Floyd reacts to Connor's right, Connor should throw uh, the biggest looping left he can, Marcos Maidana style. Um, well, first of all, we, we talked about this. Um, there is a stipulation in the contract that if Conor McGregor somehow kicks Floyd, I know, Sal, you were saying that you thought he should lose his uh, mind for a second and drop a roundhouse Forget on him. Forget where but, he is. <laughs> uh, but if, if he does uh, do anything like that, he, he gets no money. So I think he's going to be consciously thinking of that, which is actually a, uh, a pretty good mind game that Floyd's already got in place. Um, you know, I, your, your thoughts here, Mitch, uh, all sound good, but, but my thinking is, you know, the middle of the ring – um, even though Floyd does have a tendency to like to counterpunch off the ropes, I think the middle of the ring is Floyd's best bet because I think what's going to happen is, uh, is Floyd will be able to, if he keeps it in the middle of the ring, meaning, and I, I don't think Floyd is going to be stationary at all, but I think by my definition, middle of the ring, it gives Floyd a, a, a much better chance to react to Conor McGregor's chasing him around conor mcgregor we've talked about this i can't see conor mcgregor doing anything other than trying to chase him and catch him with a lucky shot that's why conor mcgregor's only chance at winning this fight would happen in the first round or two once it gets past the second or third round this is all floyd mayweather and floyd mayweather like i said yesterday sal is going to knock out conor mcgregor bill i share my sentiments with you 100 percent because the longer this fight goes, the more in favor of Floyd Mayweather. And I'll tell you what, if Conor McGregor has any chance in the world, it's going to be the first or second round, but he's got to jump. I I agree. The center of the ring's not where Conor McGregor wants Floyd. He wants to run over to the other side of the corner before Floyd even gets out of the corner, gets out of the corner. And uh, he wants to be a bully, uh, manhandle him, wrestle him, do whatever he's got to do. Uh, get some warnings, and he's got to just just take a free hand, block uh, some of those punches as he's waiting in, and, and just nail him and, and throw punches anywhere he can land. And that's it. It's not going to be a pretty fight. It's not going to be a great exhibition of, of boxing or anything other than what Mayweather's going to be. It's going to be a bull in when a matter you know, look like the superior Matador. Yeah, no, it's definitely going to be a bull against Matador. And, and you know, the thing is, is that I do agree with Mitch about Conor McGregor landing a Marcos Maidana style overhand right because yeah. what Floyd does, like what Floyd does do, is he has a tendency to you know go against the ropes or go into a corner, and he, the reason why he does that is because he's so effective counter punching. But the other thing that he did, and he really did it a lot in the Marcos Maidana fight, was that he leaned back towards the ropes leaning out of harm's way so he's leaning against the ropes and you know these crazy wild punches are are just you know swinging past him they they they're not reaching his head that is where conor mcgregor needs to get floyd mayweather if he stands any kind of a chance he needs to uh, you know be a little better with distance control and land when floyd is leaning his head back um you know remember floyd is floyd 40 years old and, you know, this is a guy that thinks very highly of himself. And he's going into this fight extremely confident, just like we're just as confident as Floyd is, thinking that he's going to win. And traditionally in sports, a lot of times, 
when everybody's given, uh, you know, one side or an opponent or even a team uh, no chance to win, that's when the upsets happen. I mean, I, do I need to remind you of uh, Mike Tyson against Buster Douglas? I mean, one of the, the biggest upsets in, in sports history. You know, if Connor beats uh, Floyd, that will become the biggest upset in st- sports history. I'm sure there's many, many people that are buying the fight that want to see Floyd get knocked out by Conor McGregor. Uh, that's why I say to you, everyone, save your money on the fight and come on down to St. Simons and watch it with us. Where would you rather be if Conor McGregor lands that lucky shot and knock, knocks out Floyd Mayweather other than hanging out with me because no one will be happier than me? And then, <laughs> on the other hand, the most likely thing that's going to happen is Floyd's going to knock out M- McGregor. And where would you rather be uh, saying, see, you know, this is no challenge. Floyd is not the best uh, other than hanging out with us because uh, we'll be saying, see, you know, that's the way it is. So uh, they all got to come, right, Sal? Absolutely. I mean, you just you just made a scenario that's uh, inevitable. I think it's perfect. And uh, it fits all the, all the doubters, all the people that want to see one way or the other. One way or another. One Bottom line another, is you got to come down uh, uh, to uh, to St. Simon's on uh, August 25th and 26th uh, for the Billy C. Get-Together. We're going to do a lot of stuff, um, maybe too much. Maybe uh, maybe uh, you have to come down uh, an extra day uh, and uh, hang with us, you know, so uh, uh, we can uh, we could do all of these things. We're going to try to get um, uh, one of our uh, Boxing Revisited shows um, recorded at least uh, one in front of a yes. big screen for you guys to uh, watch. And uh, the infamous Jeremy C. will be there as well. So uh, you guys get to meet uh, the man behind uh, a lot of stuff that goes on here uh, at the uh, Billy C. Boxing Empire. But uh, Sal, on this day in boxing history, June 28th, in uh, 1939, Joe Lewis knocks out two-ton Tony Galento in the fourth round to retain his world heavyweight title, and that took place at Yankee Stadium in the Bronx uh, on this day in 1939. And uh, Tony Galento, uh, you know, he was criticized a lot for eating hot dogs, smoking cigars, drinking beer, similar to Babe Ruth. Uh, But I'll tell you what, he was a tough guy. Uh, Joe Lewis uh, made quick work of him, but he dropped Joe Lewis uh, in this fight. And uh, the truth of the matter is, is I think Galento would have uh, given any uh, heavyweight uh, out there today uh, all kinds of uh, uh, problems, uh, especially uh, uh, the champions, although he was kind of short. So, uh, yeah, he was. Yeah. Uh, I met him. He he used to come to the Golden Gloves and uh, I met Tutan Tony Galento. And right there after one of my fights, he was he was down right by the ring and uh, he had a cigar in his hand, smoking away, and uh, uh, I met him, and we talked, and uh, he, he was a character. Interesting. Later in life, I think uh, he uh, he suffered from uh, some some ailments that uh, eventually uh, he succumbed to, but uh, he was a good guy. Yeah, no, uh, Tony Galento was a character, owned a bar in the yeah. in New York, and uh, was the uh, typical uh, bartender, that's for sure. <laughs> On this day, June 28th in 1966, Ernie Terrell wins a 15-round decision over Doug Jones to win uh, the WBA World Heavyweight title. That took place in Houston, Texas. The title had been stripped 
from Muhammad Ali. So this is what started uh, splitting up that heavyweight title. And the uh, w, the New York title would, would have uh, was won by uh, Joe Frazier. And then uh, he would uh, get the WBA title as well. On this day in 1971, Muhammad Ali wins a uh, four-year uh, battle to overturn his 1967 convic- conviction for draft evasion uh, in an eight-to-zip vote by the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, and uh, that started uh, Ali's comeback. And on this day, June 28th in 1997, Evander Holyfield retains his WBA World Heavyweight title when Mike Tyson was DQ'd after the third round for biting Evander's ear off uh, in wow. that fight that took place in Las Vegas. I, I was just talking about this fight the other day, Sal. And, I saw uh, that. I, I'll never forget the look on Mills Lane's face. He just couldn't <laughs> believe it. Uh, I'll also never forget Mike Tyson spitting out the piece of ear and watching it slow motion on on the replay, you know, watching the ear, the piece of Evander's ear being spit out onto the ring, uh, onto the canvas. And then the other thing that sticks in my mind is how Evander Holyfield jumped up and down after his, his ear and how much that must have friggin' hurt this guy. Uh, and then to this day, you know, although I've uh-huh. uh, met Evander many times, and he's one of the nastiest guys you ever want to meet in person. Um, but the truth of the matter is, is that uh, you know he? The one thing I've always admired about him. Uh, there's a lot of things I've admired about him, but the one thing about the year is he refused to get plastic surgery. He feels that it's part of his character, and uh, to this day, you can see a little little te- little Mike Tyson teeth marks uh, uh, on his ear. And I, and I love. Never, yeah, I was re- I was watching that on a network TV. It was on television, and uh, might have been HBO, might have been something else. I don't know what what network it was, but I watched it in my friend Michael's living room, and we watched that fight. And when that occurred. We looked at the TV in, in like astonishment. We looked at each other. We said, "What the heck just happened?" Yeah, no, that we was that wasn't network television. That was no. that, that that was a pay per view. But but I will tell you yeah. this, um, you know that uh, that that event, you know, Evander Holyfield uh, uh, with his ear. The funny thing was recently, and I say recently, the last year or two, Sal, um, they had that commercial. Remember the commercial where Mike Tyson knocks on the door. It says, uh, here, Evander, and, he, and he's got a box. He goes, I'm returning your ear. Did you ever see that commercial? <laughs> no, it was, I, I think, it was, I think it was a sneaker commercial or something. He's knocking on the door, and, he, and, he, and he's got a box. He goes, here, I, I, I'm returning your ear. I'm trying to make good on everything. You know, It was, just, it was yeah. great. It was great. I, I'm pretty sure it was like some kind of – I can't believe it. I want to see that. Oh, yeah. It was, uh, it was some kind of sneaker commercial, I think, but uh, uh, really funny, really funny. But uh, That's great. Anyway, great. hey, listen, man. Oh, uh, make sure you guys uh, uh, don't forget to uh, our schedule this week. We are going to be here tomorrow, uh, but we are off on Friday. But we are going to be here all week next week, including Fourth uh, of July. So uh, our day off uh, will be Friday, uh, but we will be here tomorrow. So uh, today's show is over. So I will tell you this: make sure you tune in tomorrow morning, same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, ciao, baby. That's my cue.